Did you hit record? This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson, with me as always, and this time in studio, and it feels so good when you joke. <laughs> so much better, actually, being in person. Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston, the one who knows just about everything there is to know, but not everything. How's it going today, man? It's going pretty good. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in the same room as you, which is, which is good. Hopefully, neither one of us get COVID and not die. Hey, your you test know? is negative. Your yeah. back still hurts. Yeah. And... Uh, we're all still we're all still getting our ass kicked, still, but hey, we're here making it happen. I'm still not getting any sleep. Narcolepsy's kicking in harder than ever these days, mm-hmm. and uh, who cares? Let's Good. just go. It's not important. <laughs> no one cares about your no, excuses. It's not important. They <laughs> care about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. That's why they're here. Listen to the Good Morning Liberty podcast. We do a brand new episode every single day of the week when we want to, which is almost every single day of the week. Look, we tell the truth, at least. We do. It's not like we're like, hey, expect this at this time. It's yeah. when we want to. I even decided we have to talk about our Sunday episode as when we want to as well, because good Lord, do those things take a long time yeah. to edit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm glad I could put that on your plate. Yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it was completely. I was like, hey, let me give myself 50 more hours of work to do every single week. How about this? And I was like, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's, a, that's a fine idea. I'm glad you have, uh, you know, downtime to complete that. <laughs> it is really cool, though. Yeah, so I, think I think it sounds good. I think it's worth your sleepless nights for me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you feel that way. We got some news to run through today. We got a very special dear to our hearts story to talk about, just like yesterday, where we're going to be talking about what's going on in Illinois, though, with their new progressive income tax it's going to be coming Aren't the out. Pritzker's like one of the richest people in Illinois. The Very rich. rich, rich family. Billionaires, multi, yeah. multi billionaires. Chicago. Mm. He looks like a guy that when you want to go talk to him, he's in a in like a a dark restaurant where only mobsters eat, eating like this giant sausage more than likely, and he can like someone mouths off to him, he can he can knock them down or kill them right them in front of everyone at the table, and all the judges and cops are just like, well, well, he's. You know, that's what you get. Well, he doesn't have to do anything. He just looks at his, he just glances (laughs) up at his right-hand man. He does all the dirty work for him. Now, what he actually does is he taxes people to death. So that's a, it's more of a slow burn, but it's very effective. Yeah. So we'll be talking about that. I wonder if he's involved in any government contracts. <laughs> I'm sure he is. Probably. <laughs> the FBI has already investigated him a, a couple times since he got into serious? office. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted him to join his other former governor buddies in prison. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Illinois has a long history of imprisoned governors. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so crazy. They're, uh, they're, their last one that was any good, you know, my my uh, my my mom was dating their the governor's chief of staff for like a long time. Yeah, and he was actually okay. They got to a balanced balanced budget. Super nice guy. That was Governor Ryan. No, right? no, no, in prison for him. Yeah, yeah he prison. went to prison. The one before that, Governor Ed- Edgar. Edgar. Yeah. Edgar. Governor Edgar. That's right. Yeah, not not Alan Poe. Nice guy though. Just that's his last name is yeah. Edgar. A lot nicer than what I would imagine Edgar Allan Poe was. Right. Yeah, because he seems slightly uh, murderous. So but Illinois is just one of those. It's just one of those states. And uh, uh, so glad we escaped that place a little over 10 years ago now. Yeah. We've expatriated from Illinois and it's going fine. <laughs> it's, it's so far, <laughs> so far, it's better. Yep. That's right. 
<laughs> all right. Well, take me through the first well, we also have, one here. Well, yeah, the first one's all about walls, but I wanted to let people know something that you forgot to tell them, which is smash that mother truck and subscribe button, man. It's it's not hard to do. It's pretty easy. You actually don't even have to smash it. You could just lightly tap it. And uh, what that does is that sends a brand new episode every single day of the week when we want to right to your phone as soon as it as soon as it's released. You get that push notification and it sends it out there. That's because you hit subscribe. The listenership is going up as we get closer and closer to the selection. So you guys don't want to miss any of the coverage and you don't want to miss any of this. Um, you know, we're not going to know who's president for a while. So you're not going to want to miss any of our commentary on it. I don't think we'll know who the president is until the Supreme court ruling comes out. (laughs) That's about all. Yeah. So you don't want to miss those predictions. Hit that subscribe button and, uh, you know, join us on Patreon. We'll talk about that later. First up, since Nate's back in the office, of course he wanted to talk about walls because that's who he is. Um, I don't like the wall. I think it's a stupid idea. You like the idea of walls. I don't like the idea of walls. I like the idea of, Potentially having a border. Walls is even your favorite song by Emery. Okay, that's fine. It, Are has, you it doesn't have anything to do with actual border walls. Mm. You know, that song's pretty anti wall. Y'all though. could go through the archive. Nate has definitely stood his ground, so to speak, <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to walls. Not walls but, on borders. Oh, oh, borders. Yeah. Yeah. Different than walls. I think the wall is a stupid idea. Yeah. It's been, I mean, it's, they try walls laser a bo- lot of times. Laser borders. I want sharks with laser beams attached <laughs> to their, their freaking, freaking heads. heads. <laughs> That's what I want. A big trench yeah. with sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their heads. And $1 billion. <laughs> exactly. All right. Voluntarily. So, this coming from Politico, Supreme Court to hear case over Trump border wall. So this is interesting. The Supreme Court has agreed to decide whether President Donald Trump unconstitutionally usurped Congress's spending power by diverting Defense Department funds to pay for expansion and reinforcement of a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border. Without even reading this article, my position is yes. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. That's unconstitutional. You can't just decide willy-nilly that I'm going to, you know, take the power that Congress holds and use it to my own benefit. The high court's announcement. I'll probably take the other side of this argument will, just a I little bit. Would. Not, not fully. Not fully. Statist, you <laughs> not Nate fully. You. All right. The high court's <laughs> announcement in a routine order list Monday morning was widely expected because in July 2019, the justices allowed construction of the wall with uh, disputed funds to proceed by staying a lower court injunction. Hmm. The justices typically grant review after issuing a stay like the one last year, particularly in a high profile legal fight like the one over Trump's border wall. At issue is the case uh, in the case is the president's February 2019 move to repurpose about six billion dollars in military construction and counter drug appropriations to finance the wall. Okay, that's important there. (laughs) Ending a budget standoff with Congress and a partial government shutdown. Um, This is. (laughs) This is also interesting to me because I'm just wondering, I thought Mexico was paying for it. Yeah, that is weird. How is this in the Supreme Court with us using the wrong money to pay for it since Mexico's paying for the wall? Right. That's what. Why would our Supreme Court be deciding how Mexico spends their money? Exactly. I'm just so confused right now. (laughs) Yeah. The president's spending maneuver came after Congress agreed to spend only $1.375 billion in that fiscal year for border wall improvements. Billions less than Trump was demanding 
Trump's uh, actions triggered lawsuits from various quarters, including border groups, environmentalists, 20 states, and the Democratic-led House of Representatives. Jesus. <laughs> so everybody got lawyer money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna spend $10 billion <laughs> fighting Trump yeah. on spending what the $6 What budget billion. is that coming out of? Right. That's part of the CARES Act. <laughs> the Supreme Court case could divide the justices along ideological lines if the vote turns out to be similar to the action on the state which was granted by the court's five Republican-appointed justices and imposed by the four Democratic appointees. Imagine that. The Supreme Court also announced Monday that it will take up another immigration-related Trump initiative, the so-called Remain in Mexico policy under which... What is that? I don't know. I don't don't know what that one is. Under which most asylum applicants who present themselves at the southwest border are returned to Mexico to await a hearing before an immigration judge. As with the border wall, the Supreme Court granted a stay that allowed the administration to press on with the asylum policy. The high court's action in March of this year allowed the program formerly known as migrant protection protocols to continue. So this is all very interesting to me. And first, I I still think it's unconstitutional because this was this was debated by the representatives of the people. And the Congress holds the sole power of the purse. Yeah. And when they said Nah, Mexico is going to pay for the other four billion. We're only going to give you one point three seven five, even though we shouldn't even be giving you that. Then, to me, that's where it stops. It has to stop. So, <laughs> I hate doing this, but I'm the one that picked the article and put it in there. So, that's fine. Um, I, I I slightly disagree with that. And now let's talk within a world where the government has money and they should spend it. And let's not. Uh, let's try to not come from the side of our world where all of this taxation was theft and they shouldn't have any of the money and the money doesn't exist. Let's talk like within the political world where they have the money and they're going to spend it on stuff. We'll just we'll just talk within there because we can have the wider ideological conversation and say, oh, they shouldn't be spending the money on anything because taxation is theft. We all we all already know that argument and agree with it. And I agree with that argument completely as well. When it comes to being upset about the military spending the money to pay for this wall. I actually think that that someone can tell me why that doesn't make any sense. But when we talk about our military, even as libertarians, we talk about how we want them to be a defensive military where we defend our borders. We don't want them to be offensive going out there around other countries and fighting the wars, fight them over there. So we don't have to fight them here. We want them to be defensive. And then if there's any reason I could ever think of for there to be a wall, that someone wanted to make, I would say, well, probably for defense of the country. A lot of forts have walls around them and and stuff like that. People put walls up around areas. And so then when I see a wall, I'm like, well, the only reason I come up with is is defense to stop people from rolling across there. Well, what budget do I think it should come out of? Defense, kind of, because that's the only justification for a wall I could ever come up with. That's a decent argument. So that's all I can. The only reason I can come up with the wall needing to exist is not for immigration, because I don't care about the people coming over here from the other countries, really. It would only be for defense of the country. And since that's the only reason I can come up with it, why not come out of the military budget? That's their job. And that's the only job I want them to have is might to defend well, the country. Might as well build the wall of China. <laughs> might as well. Yeah. So uh, the tourists come from all over, come and visit. <laughs> so the only reason I brought this up is actually uh, because I think it's very important when people are making arguments about stuff and taking positions on things to know why exactly, like down to a kind of a philosophical level. Now we could all be 
we don't want the money to be spent on anything because taxation is theft and all of this was theft. And then that's a good reason. I don't like the, well, this shouldn't come out of the military budget thing because to me, that's just like a, that's like a lawyer finding a word that's wrong in a contract to me because it's not actually arguing about how the money shouldn't be spent anyway because it doesn't exist. Like there, that's the actual argument that that we should be having. Well, and really, I mean, Congress should do its job to begin with. There should be nine appropriation bills and mm-hmm. they should de- de- what Congress is supposed to do is delicate money to be spent on very specific things. Not, Thomas Massey, not a million, not an omnibus. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. Like Thomas Massey talks about this all the time. And so but the thing about it is, is so six billion in military construction and counter drug appropriations. What was that money earmarked for to begin with? I wonder like military construction. Is this rebuilding Afghanistan and Iraq. Is that the military (laughs) construction? Are we putting up $40 million natural gas stations in different countries? Is that part of the military construction budget? And then the counter drug, we need those counter drug appropriations. Is that is a wall, not counter drug. I mean, I, so I get that argument. I really do. Yeah. I just, you know, the problem is Congress hasn't done its job. They haven't specifically delegated the power of the purse appropriately. And Trump's taken advantage of it. And, uh, I still think as a principled president, you wouldn't, uh, let's say a libertarian president wouldn't actually do this. I don't think. Well, no, I don't. So just like all the other conversations we have and the arguments we have with people all the time, like I'm not making the argument that they need to spend the $6 billion on the wall. I'm making the argument that if the wall is going to be built, I don't see the problem with it coming out of the military budget. That might be some of the best money that they spend. Honestly, Wes makes a good point. Well, he makes a couple. He says he loves tamales, so please put in a sliding window in the wall. Please. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the second point that he makes, although I, although I will say this kind of qualifies as one of the enumerated powers for the federal government, but wouldn't the states have better control over their borders because it, wouldn't they care more about who's crossing into their state? Uh, I I see that argument, but then that boils all the way down to, well, shouldn't the individual property owners who own the property on in those states uh, actually take care of it because they don't want people to come across onto their property? And it, to me, it really just boils down to, <clears throat> does the government have a job? Do we have a border? Should there be a government? The, what is the purpose of it? And if you decided that you were supposed to defend the borders of your country, um, I don't think that I, I th- if you can say that the government has a job and it should exist, then I don't know if that argument can work because just because one state decides that they're going to let everyone roll through, well, then they're not really fulfilling that duty. And we can debate whether or not the government should have that. The federal government should exist because to me, that's really what the conversation is. Should the federal government exist? Should they have the should they be? tasked with the idea of defending the country of all the states coming together, pulling their money together to defend all the 50 states at one time. Should the federal government exist for that reason? And if they, and if they should, and we decide that they should, then I think there are some things that the federal government would have to do to defend all the 50 states at one time with that money that they pulled together to do that. Mm -hmm. And just because New Mexico decided they weren't going to do anything. And so the, the Chinamen could just roll right on across the border right there because New Mexico, they decided they don't want that wall right there. Well, then the then we kind of just decided the federal government doesn't have that job and that they shouldn't exist when, when, I, get, when I get down to it. 
in in my opinion. That you know, I I don't know. I think I smell what you're stepping. This in. is a sticky issue to me because you're st- you're smelling you're stepping in sticky. I'm st- this is a sticky statist issue right here. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult because you are arguing for things like the federal government should have land that it controls or that it should be able to uh, make those types of decisions and. And I still just boil down to what is the one thing I want the federal government to do? What is the one thing I think that they should do? And it would be to defend the country. And almost nothing else. Like, pretty much nothing else. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's all we need. And so to me, this, uh, this argument has to fall within that. We'd have to have the argument whether or not the federal government would still have the authority to do even that. And then talk about the wall thing. Well, because we're just time. all we're doing is arguing over schemat- uh, semantics. semantics. Yeah, schematics. Uh, uh, <laughs> s- s- uh, sin- semantics. <laughs> Center semantics. Yeah, yeah. The, the mat- we're arguing over the matrix, and but but really, it's symptoms of actual problems, right? Yeah. I mean, the fact that we're taxed to begin with is problem number one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, we boil it all the way down to the ideological right. conversation of of that in the first place. But, but, but we're not going to. At the end no. of the day, I'm against walls and Nate's for them. And that's that's kind of where we stand on this issue. So, Nate, take me through the next one, why don't you? So the next article. See, he didn't defend his position. He moves right along. <laughs> get the last word in. Oh, okay. Let me get the last word in. Go to something else. Oh, you're not going to defend yourself. Oh, yeah. oh, all right. Clearly doesn't that's want to defend nice, himself. Nice debate hey, tactic you there. You guys heard it here first. <laughs> okay, Charlie and everyone in the group, tell me what this title says to you. Because this is my misleading title of the day. It's going to be a new installment. <laughs> From Time Magazine. I accidentally got on there for a little bit. And they're going to take up some of our time today. <laughs> All right. Tell me what this title says to you. After months of minimal COVID-19 containment, Sweden appears to be considering a new approach. Um, now, no one's going to read the article whatsoever. What does that title say? It basically means that Sweden didn't do much and. Uh, now COVID's worse, so they have to consider a new approach. Yeah, so they're going to be switching it up. They, they've been anti-lockdown. Mm-hmm. They they haven't been doing all the the mask mandates. Maybe I don't know what their mask laws are. They've contained <clears throat> COVID nineteen at a minimum. Yes, and which, now which means they didn't do a good job. So if you're someone who is well, Sweden is a massive failure. Their death rate's been terrible, and now they're going to consider a new approach. It means they're 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 admitting they failed, right? And that they're going to have to yeah. they're going to have to follow suit with everyone else. It's not what's happening whatsoever. That's just what the title says so far. Uh, so anyway, Swedish authorities appear to be reconsidering, still going, their notoriously lax approach to COVID-19 containment. No, they're not. Which has contributed to one of the world's higher coronavirus death rates. Higher. Do you know what higher means? It means that there's one other thing that's lower than it. <laughs> that's what higher can mean, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's higher because something else is lower. Yeah. All right. So it's contributed to one of the world's higher coronavirus death rates is how you say that. It should say so far, by the way. So far, because science happens in more than five months. Mm. So starting October 19th, regional health authorities may direct citizens to avoid high risk areas such as gyms, concerts, public transportation, shopping centers, the Telegraph reports. Now that they may direct citizens to avoid. Listen, make sure we pay attention to all this. They may also encourage residents to avoid socializing with elderly or other high-risk individuals. 
They said it's more of a lockdown situation, but a local lockdown. Dr. Johan Nod, Noid, who leads the infectious disease department in the city of Uppsala, told the Telegraph. Telegraph. In a statement provided at the time, however, a spokesperson for the Public Health Agency of Sweden rejected that characterization. They said it's not a lockdown, but some extra recommendations that could be communicated locally when a need from the regional authorities is communicated and the public health agency so decides. So we're going to go through some of this real quick. The Swedish government in March limited public gatherings of 50 people, but its policy left gapping loopholes. It doesn't apply to private and corporate gatherings, nor the schools, shopping malls, and plenty of other locations. Remember when they say things like Sweden limited gatherings to 50 people, because I saw articles about this and they said, well, look at look at uh, Trump's the Trump's rally wouldn't even have been legal in Sweden. The the place that all the conservatives are holding up as the as the Holy Land when it comes to lockdowns. They didn't they didn't do those lockdowns for private corporate entities at all. It was only for uh, public events that the public the government had control over. Right. That that was it. They honestly, I don't even <clears throat> know if it was actual like a they were like ticketing people or not. It was really a strong suggestion. Yeah. Yeah, it was guidelines, and that is all. And it even says that right here, by it, the way. It does. Why don't you go ahead on that? Where where you found that? Yeah, so it says uh, it is not a lockdown, but some extra recommendations that could be communicated locally when a need from the regional authorities is communicated, and the public health agency so decides. A legal official from Sweden's public health agency told the Telegraph the new policy is something in between regulations and recommendations. Violating the guidelines, for example, would not result in fines. <laughs> Violating the guidelines, for example, would not result in fines. Still, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a significant shift from Sweden's previous handling of the coronavirus pandemic. While countries around the world implemented lockdowns once the virus began spreading, spreading Swedish authorities largely let life continue as normal. So weird. They're going to start making official recommendations to to people in places about things. And they don't give a shit whether you follow them or not. No, there's no fines. <laughs> there's nothing for it. Yet the article title leads you to think that, well, they've been really relaxed and they realized that that failed and now they're going to start doing lockdowns like everyone else. Right. That's not what happens. That's not what's happening. No. At all. No. And then they also put in this, they, they talk about how they frame up what they want you to infer from this person's quote and then they show the quote and it doesn't even say what they just inferred really whatsoever. They're going to be talking about herd immunity. Swedish authorities appear to be conceding that reaching herd immunity, the threshold at which enough of a population is immune to the virus for it to stop spreading widely, is unlikely uh, to happen without a vaccine. While officials have avoided explicitly calling herd immunity the goal of their casual containment approach, emails obtained by journalists show high-level Swedish public health officials discussing that strategy as early as March. So the government has not came out and said that they wanted to obtain herd immunity because what that means is, from a politician's standpoint, is you're going to let some people die. And that's what you're saying in the email. Mm -hmm. We're going to let some people die purposefully. That's, that's what they're yeah. saying. And they can't say that. Almost like Moses said, let my people go. Yes, let my people die. That's what that's yeah. what Sweden has been saying. And so a politician can't come out and say that. So their policy has never been herd immunity. Even though in March, they have emails of government officials going back and forth talking about how their strategy was going to be herd immunity. Yeah. So that's, that's one important part right there. 
Um, let's see. While officials have avoided, let's see, national studies, however, show that far fewer people have developed natural immunity than officials hoped, as evidenced by the ongoing spike in infections. So they're not all the way there yet. It's not that the herd immunity doesn't work. But anyway, Sweden state epidemiologist Anders Tegnell acknowledged that reality last week. So they're saying they're saying that he acknowledged that reality that they just set forward in the paragraph previous. But then you got to talk about what he actually said. I think the obvious conclusion is that the level of immunity in those cities is not at all as high as we have, and maybe some people have believed, Tegnell said. I think what we are seeing is very much a consequence of the very uh, erogenous spread that the disease has, which means that even if you feel like there have been a lot of cases in some big cities, there are still huge pockets of people who have not been affected yet. Hmm. So what he's saying is not that their herd immunity is a failure approach. He's saying that they're not all the way at herd immunity yet. Yeah, That's, that's what he's actually saying. It's just interesting to me to watch them frame this up like, well, herd immunity has failed. This guy admitted as such. And then they and then they put a quote of what he said. That's not what he said. He said, we don't have herd immunity yet. We're, we're not we're not there yet. And it's just I don't know, man, the media manipulation just drives me nuts. Well, so. what's the point? I mean, the who just came out with an article we covered last week. Saying lockdowns don't work, actually. Yeah. Well, they, they work in yeah. stopping the spread of a virus, but they don't stop death yeah. from, from, from other means because, there's, again, there's many ways human beings die. I could die right now from something, I don't know, an electrical shock because uh, they haven't outlawed that yet. And, um, you know, I'm still allowed to plug in my dangerous appliance <laughs> into my dangerous electrical outlet. And my kid can still stick a knife in there and kill himself. Did you see the story that there is a, oh, what is it, a 0.04% chance of an asteroid hitting Earth on the day of the election? Are you uh, serious? Yeah. Um, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. That'd be awesome. Um, it was saying, it, it was really interesting. I think it was a newer, it was from, it was from Fox News. Um, the point that I saw someone making was, that's also your chance of dying from COVID. <laughs> yeah so how worried about this asteroid are you <laughs> <laughs> well sounds like we should be really really yeah. worried <laughs> we should be in the, everybody should be getting their bunker i know <laughs> get your in your bunker build your bunker <clears throat> oh, all right man. so this is the libertarian article that they didn't know it was a libertarian article and so so this is this one's pretty important it tells a little bit of a story of what's going on in grand rapids michigan okay with something a problem and the the local people have come up with a way to solve it because the government won't do it so very interesting i love these types of stories mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what this is uh from time again what one crowdfunding campaign reveals about why it's hard for u.s cities to address violence they've just got you know people coming up with titles and people <laughs> backing them up with titles <clears throat> And people back in, back in the backers up from Grand Rapids, Michigan isn't a big city, but according to lifelong resident J.D. Chapman Jr., it has a lot of big city problems. Nonetheless, quote, we have all kinds of problems with our education, our healthcare systems, poverty, and of course, violence. Chapman tells time in the city of roughly 200,000 residents, Grand Rapids black community, which is 19% of its total population in particular struggles with generational poverty and hopelessness, Chapman says. He and other residents describe Grand Rapids as a very segregated, uh, uh, with opportunity disproportionately concentrated in the city's wealthier outskirts and suburbs. 
It was due to that lack of opportunity, Chapman says, that he started to get into legal trouble around the age of 12. At this time, Grand Rapids was in the midst of the crack epidemic plaguing many inner city communities across the country. Tackling the problem of street Well, that violence. was before Hunter Biden moved out, right? Right. <laughs> Tackling the problem of street violence and crime in Grand Rapids' inner city communities has been a multi-year endeavor, and activists there, including Chapman, agree there are no simple solutions. But that doesn't mean that they have given up. For example, they have, been, they have long lobbied the city government for funding to pay for violence prevention and de-escalation programs. Through a number of such programs exist, activists in Grand Rapids have focused on Cure Violence, which was launched in Chicago by Dr. Gary Slutkin in 2000. What a great name. Mm. And has since spread to cities, including all these other cities. Uh, The treatment? (laughs) Outreach workers who act as peacemakers in potentially violent conflicts. Hmm. Now, the matter has only become more urgent. Grand Rapids, like many other across the U.S., has experienced a rise in violence in 2020. I wonder how that could be. Mm. Yeah, Probably because of those worship protests. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's from the mostly peaceful protests. Yeah. Um, continue on here. A major part of the reason is that while crime prevention models like cure violence may sound like a kind of a grassroots effort that could run on nothing but goodwill, they require investment and a financial commitment from a city or community's budget. In the case of Grand Rapids, it's estimated that a full implementation of the Cure Violence program could cost up to $581,000 plus, a total that would cover outreach workers' salaries, equipment, and accounts for spending on community events and meetings, among other expenses. Now, now one thing um, that you skipped over, probably didn't need to, but the, the city budget actually has $75,000 in it that is set aside for the Cure Violence thing but they've never they've never used the money. It's just sitting in the city budget and and they won't use it for anything. And and so people are getting upset about this and they've started a, a crowdfunding campaign now. Hmm. So Well, that's weird. Hmm. As for the crowdfunding campaign itself, while it was originally scheduled to end on September 26th, it's been extended to October 30th to help meet its goals. So far, the campaign has raised 15000 but Chapman is not worried about the final tally. He still believes that funding will eventually come through local philanthropic groups and says that even if the final figure falls short, it will not deter activists. And they say uh, some good things about Graham Rapids at the end of this. The one point I wanted to take from this is there is a city that has a problem and Local people, even, uh, I mean, the, the government has a little bit of money set aside from it, but these people in the community have tried to come up with a solution for it. And the solution for it, for them, is to try and get people to donate to the cause so they can do it themselves. And while they haven't hit their goal yet, I think that there's a pretty big impediment to that goal, which is uh, whether or not the government would even let them do anything if they did hit the goal. And the thought that's over everyone's heads all the time, why would I donate to that when that's something my tax money is supposed to go to? Yeah. And, but I, but isn't it interesting? Yeah. Now, if you actually believe in something and believe that you want to do something as a community that you could come together and donate your money for a cause that you believe in. That is weird. What? And what I wonder is if the people that are doing this realize what they were saying when they decided to start a crowdfunding campaign to solve this problem. I I wonder if they realize that. I wonder how many of them vote libertarian or if they're still just going to be voting for people who think the government should have more control over everything. Yeah. Voting for the people who they think are going to actually approve their budget. Yeah. And my assumption 
it, uh, my assumption could could I actually don't know anything about Grand Rapids. A lot of cities that have uh, populations of that size are pretty liberal already. When you when you have that many people in a city, it typically ends up skewing liberal. So that's an assumption I'm making about Grand Rapids. So that might be completely off base, but. I really wish they would think that all the way through. Like, what does that mean? The government won't do this. They've got they've got some money in the budget already. Their their goal, I don't even know what exactly their goal is for this, but the city itself already has seventy five thousand set set aside. That's that's a four or five times as much as what they've raised in their crowdfunding campaign, and the city won't spend the money. And it's earmarked for their for this charity specifically, and they won't spend it on anything. They're probably got it uh, in, in, invested somewhere, or they're they're borrowing on it more than likely, mm-hmm. so they so they can't spend it. Well, they're the ones buying the crack. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they got to keep the crack going. No, they got to keep Hunter Biden going. We'll mess so up that racket make, so he can make his deals. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I just hope people would notice what people are coming to as a solution here, and that this would be a good solution for uh, a lot of people, and even people who might skew. Democrats or whatever their political party is that they can get sick of the government and they can decide that we need to do a crowdfunding campaign and, and people will put money towards this thing to try, to try and fix it. And just imagine how much more money people put towards it. If the government didn't already have a bunch of money earmarked for it, that they were refusing to spend and then weren't already taking a bunch of your tax money in, in, at the same time and supposed to be spending it on things that would fix this problem that yeah. they're trying to, they're literally trying to, crowdfund something to fix a problem that the government says they're supposed to handle all the time. And so there's a lot of things that people could take from that. Well, and also the the sheer fact that if you actually believe in something, maybe you can band together and fix the problem yourself and not rely on government. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, people do this kind of stuff all the time. You know, it, it quite astounds me uh, that, you know, we talk about, you know, Medicare for all, so to speak. And we have these sad sob stories of these, Poor people who can't afford anything. And I, let me tell you, I have yet to see, and maybe this is just empirical evidence that I haven't come across all the data, but I have yet to see someone who is struggling, paying their medical bills that starts to go fund me or crowdfund some mm-hmm. type of crowdfund campaign that they do not surpass their goal yeah, you to see, pay for their medical bills. You see those on GoFundMe all the time. Yeah. And people like Bernie talk about how it's a terrible thing. Yeah, that's terrible. They had to turn to other people to help them with their bills. Man, what do you think taxes are? Right. <laughs> what do you think that is? Well, at least the people that gave them the money is voluntary. Voluntary. You didn't need a gun pointed at their heads. Yeah. Well, I would rather people have guns pointed at their heads to give them this money. Yeah, it would seem to me that people are more than willing to help each other out. And with advances in modern technology and high levels <laughs> of income, there ain't no reason that people can't have health care for all voluntarily. I know, man. It's it's. You know, and the and you have these new insurance programs called like you know like Liberty, with Liberty Healthcare, right? And there's MediShare, and there's like they, yeah. they develop these entire programs where people share each other's medical bills. It's not technically insurance; that's how they get around some of the laws. Um, but it's just people pouring in money in this big pot, and people who need more than others, they get to take more than others. You know, and there's there's people running that, so to speak. But there, there's all kinds of ways. So so many more better ideas that people can come up with when they have the freedom to come up with them rather than relying on the antiquated, <clears throat> terrible government to try to do things for you. It's just it's amazing what people can come up with. 
I agree. They even had the border wall campaign. You remember that? <laughs> I did. I think that guy got sued. Yeah, there was actually someone. <laughs> I'm pretty sure someone's going to go to prison over that. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about what's going on in Illinois. So we can um, get some of this information out there before the vote actually comes up because there is on the ballot in Illinois. Now, if you're not from Illinois, don't be like, well, this doesn't matter. I don't care about this. Uh, this is actually something that matters for everyone. We have any ads? Um, what day is it? Tuesday? No, okay. not today. Except for the ones that will forcefully play before beforehand. So, okay. uh, so if you're not from Illinois, don't don't turn off the podcast. You know who I'm talking to. All right, don't hit the button. All right, because this is actually a, a conversation that needs to be had across the entire country. This is important, and it also ties back to the beginnings of our tax system back in the the hellish early 1900s anyway. <clears throat> so let's go through what's going on in Illinois and let's find a way to warn these people in Illinois before they switch over to a progressive tax system that they are being lied to. They're being sold a bill of goods by a shady fat salesman right now. All right. So, he is pretty big. <clears throat> <laughs> I, listen, it's fine. That's fine. That doesn't matter. That was just me being mean. That's, that takes away from the argument. All right, let's see what Fatso is doing over here. <laughs> Government unions and their political action committees are pouring money into one of the campaign committees supporting the progressive tax amendment that will appear in the November 3rd ballots in Illinois. And we're going to go through seven of the very misleading claims that they are making. And this is coming from the Illinois tax, IllinoisTaxPolicy.org, I think is where it's coming from. Great website. <clears throat> All right. To date, vote yes for fair taxes received more than one million from public employee unions. They include what? what? Yeah, That's so weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then they name all these unions. The unions are feeding misleading information to their members in an effort to bolster votes for the tax hike. Here are seven of the top misleading claims unions are pushing, followed by the real the the realities union members realities union members should remember when they vote. There's not people who are uh, realtors on yeah, house. It's reality. Realities yes. on here. Misleading claim number one, 97% of taxpayers will get a tax cut or pay the same as they do right now. Well, let's just attach this to everything that's going on around the country as well. As this is a claim they send around these pamphlets. Uh, they've got commercials running and they've got all these same claims you guys have heard. And I can't believe people continue to fall for this crap all the time. Well, and it's a fair tax, Nate. It's fair. It's fair. It's called the How fair tax. How can you vote no against a fair <laughs> tax? It's already fair. It says it in yeah. the title. It's like fair death. I know. You can't vote no against fair it's death. Fair. Yeah. All right. Everyone dies at the same time. Reality. So they say 97% of taxpayers will get a tax cut or pay the same as they do right now. Reality, the progressive tax will make it easier to raise taxes on everyone in the future. There is no guarantee that lawmakers won't raise taxes on the middle class in the future. Claims to the contrary are simply a bait and switch. Taxes for many middle class families may stay the same for now, but that will likely change later. That's exactly what happened in Connecticut. Middle-class tax rates have gone up 13% since the state switched from a flat tax to a progressive tax system. The only state to do so in the past 30 years. And now Illinois will likely be the next one. We'll see. In 32 states with progressive income taxes, 18 of them subject middle-class families to the highest rate. 32, 32 states with progressive income taxes, 18 of those, the middle-class are paying the highest rate. Now, what that that does not mean that they say middle class, we'll just use round numbers, uh, lower class, 10%, middle class, 25%, upper class, 15%. That's not what that means. What that means is even people in the middle class fall into the highest tax bracket. 
Right. Just like it does in, say, Denmark, where the highest tax bracket also includes, above. Yeah, also includes people that are in the middle class. So this is where they kind of switch this up on you. Like, oh, it's only going to be on the top tax bracket. It's going to be this, and it's going to be the only one that's going up. Who's going to be in the top tax bracket? That's what you need to actually. We'll just open up that bracket a little bit, man. They won't notice the spread of the bracket. The Illinois Education Association has claimed the progressive tax will allow higher rates for higher incomes and lower rates for people with low and moderate incomes. But the opposite is also true. It also allow lawmakers to enact lower rates for higher incomes and higher rates for lower incomes because there's (laughs) nothing. All this does is this uh, amendment or whatever it is that's on the ballot it allows them to do this and they're kind of selling here's what we're gonna do but what the vote is is here's us being allowed to do this that that's really all says the next paragraph there it says lawmakers would have the legal authority to charge any income rate to any taxpayer with a simple majority vote the amendment itself merely allows the general assembly to provide a tax rate or rates to be applied to income and does not specify what those rates must be the General Assembly could theoretically choose to charge higher rates to lower income taxpayers, and all they need is, is a simple majority. Yeah. So they don't have to pass, pass any new tax code. This basically opens the door, whereas as long as it's 51 to 50, they can do whatever they want. Or 50 to 49, 50, you know, yeah. 50.1 to 49.9. Yeah. And they can do it. Misleading claim number two, the current way of taxing is unfair. <laughs> so that's what they're also talking about. Reality, Illinois Constitution currently guarantees a flat tax rate. That's what they're doing. It's a constitutional amendment to remove the flat tax rate and put a progressive tax. Mm -hmm. And taxpayers with higher incomes pay more in taxes uh, than taxpayers with lower incomes. The Constitution's drafters in 1970 included the flat tax guarantee in order to ease voters' fears that the state's first income tax, which went into effect in 1969, could be raised easily in Springfield. That's where the capital of Illinois is, by the way, not Chicago. It's so weird that people want to, don't want to pay more in taxes. Yeah, that is that's they wanted strange. A, they wanted a guarantee. Yeah. The current system forces lawmakers to tax everyone at the same rate, making it harder for them to raise taxes because voters can hold them responsible. By definition, a flat tax system applies to the same tax rate to every taxpayer. What unions are proposing is actually unfair, making it easier for lawmakers to target middle-class Illinoisans with future tax hikes. I I think that second sentence is important, though, that you skipped over there. It says, and that means someone earning a higher income pays more than someone with a lower income. That's because people think everyone paying the same percentage is unfair. It's really not, because the higher your income is, whatever percentage that may be, in Illinois, it's, what, 6% or something like that. So whatever that percentage is, if you make a hundred thousand dollars, well then you're paying six thousand. If you make you know ten thousand dollars, you're only paying six hundred bucks. Yeah. So that sounds fair. Right. So even though you, uh, you even know. though it's the same percentage of your income, the more you make, the more you pay. It's one of the fairest thefts you can have. Right. As far as thievery goes. <laughs> as long as the robber hits every house. Yep. <laughs> Hit every house equally. <laughs> Misleading claim number three, the progressive tax won't give lawmakers any more or less power to increase taxes than they've always had. They're saying that it won't give them any power? And the pamphlets that they're handing out to people wow. everywhere. Yeah. Reality is easier to raise taxes under progressive ta- income tax than it is under the current flat tax. And I'll go ahead and tell you why. Because under a flat tax, when you say we're going to raise taxes, you're raising taxes on everyone. Right. So everyone's going to go vote because if you're going to raise the taxes, you're raising taxes on everyone. And a progressive tax, when they have a vote on it, you can single out specific individuals, specific groups, and the other groups can vote to raise taxes on that group. And then right. you single out another group, and the other groups can vote to raise taxes on that group. 
And so it's easier to raise taxes under a progressive tax system than it is under a flat tax system, clearly. Well, yeah. Well, you hate poor people. <laughs> that's so. That's obviously. Continue on, poor hater. Uh, misleading claim number four, the, the progressive tax won't touch retirement income. So they've been worried because uh, they're, they're worried they're about to start taxing your actual retirement income in Illinois. Reality, the Illinois treasurer has indicated a progressive tax will make a retirement tax more likely. There that's is no, because there's no money in the pension funds. <laughs> yeah, there, we'll, we'll get to the so pension they, here they in a minute. Need, yeah. They need to tax, tax you out of your retirement pension. There's no guarantee under the progressive tax amendment that lawmakers won't later tax retirement income. All 32 states with a progressive tax rate tax retirement income. Magically, Illinois is going to be the 33rd and not tax retirement income yeah. in the situation that they're in. So the, the reason is they... It says because removing the flat income tax protection also removes a key political barrier to imposing a tax on retirement income. So that's also inside of that constitutional amendment. And so that that is it's just something that can that's it's going to happen if they can if if they can tax it, they will. This is Illinois. Mm -hmm. it's the reason the, the idea that people think that they're going to they're going to be sparingly on their tax system here. Yeah. What? How do you come up with that living in Illinois? Like, oh, uh, they're, I know that they're good people up there. They're, they're good people up there in Springfield and really in Chicago. Uh, they're not going to tax our income. The guy that came to my house said they're not going to do it. And this is Illinois we're talking about, the land of, the, the, the land of honest Abe. There's no way that they're going to do this at all. What kind of idiot actually thinks that? <laughs> Literally. They'll tax your taxes if they yeah, can. Yeah, they would. They'll, they're going to make you pay taxes on the amount of taxes you had to Let pay. Let me tell you something that grinds my rubber. <laughs> The other day, the other day I had to do a little switch over um, with my registration because I bought my mom. A, I bought my mom a car four years ago. All right. And here's the thing. When you buy a car, you got to pay sales tax on the value of the freaking mm -hmm. car. OK, mm -hmm. now that person resold me that car and I paid I paid an amount for it. Now, when I went to go register that car, I had to pay tax on what I paid for it. Yeah. And then I'm going to gift that car to my mom. But now my mom has to pay tax on what the value of the car is, yeah. even though I just gave it to her. And you already paid and sales that, taxes. Well, on. the person who bought it paid taxes. Yeah. And then I paid taxes. And now she's going to have to pay taxes on the, what the value is. It, it's just a tax after tax after tax. By the time the taxes are done, it's going to be more than what the car was ever worth. No, I don't know if they passed it, but they were talking about taxing trade-in values of cars also. Yeah. So if you... You, you they paid, did pass it in Illinois. Did they? Okay. Yes. Was that with the gas tax even, and everything? Even yes. Yeah. Even if you buy the car out of state. Yeah. You still have to pay for it but when it comes this in. This was the other thing. You bought a car and you paid ten thousand dollars and you paid your tax on it. And a few years later, you go to trade it in towards another car. They say the value of your trade in has to be taxed. Yeah. Even well, though you already paid tax. You already when paid you bought tax it. when you bought it on the full value. This is not a new value right. of the car. Right. This is the, a depreciated value of the same car. Yeah. Who comes up with this stuff and who thinks that these ideas actually make sense? Good Lord. Oh, man. This boat don't hunt, y'all. All right. Uh, this ain't rocket surgery. Uh, where are we at? No, uh, number five. Wes says tax talk depresses me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is, you got to learn. You got to learn today, though. <laughs> you got to learn today. Mm -hmm. Misleading claim number five. Money from the progressive tax will adequately fund schools, health care, and other public services that are currently struggling. And probably reduce homelessness, I bet. <laughs> probably going to end homelessness. And world hunger. All kinds of stuff. Prisco's going to lose weight. All kinds of stuff is yeah. going to happen. 
You know? In fact, it's going to end world hunger. They're going to start the Hunger Games. They said that this one thing they said was going to solve the funding of schools was when they legalized the uh, gambling, the video gambling that that's everywhere, yeah. every gas station, and marijuana, every and marijuana. And you know what they did? This is what they do. When they decided they were going to do the video gambling, they said, oh, it looks like we're going to make about two billion dollars a year off of that. You know what they said? Hey, Mr. Banker, can I get a $2 billion loan? Because I got $2 billion bucks coming here pretty quick. And then they took the $2 billion, and then they spent $3.5 billion of it on other stuff. You, I don't know if you cut the math schools. right there. Not schools. Yeah. Not schools being the main thing that they spent money on. Not schools. Reality, a progressive tax will not solve Illinois' fiscal issues. Raising taxes to attempt to make ends meet has been the modus operandi of Illinois lawmakers for years. And it has never worked the way they claimed it would. Education, healthcare, those services have not seen the promised levels of funding after several massive tax hikes in recent years, despite the proponents' claims. It's weird. Isn't that weird? After isn't, the <laughs> Isn't that weird how you know you you should judge policies on their actual outcomes, not their intentions? Yeah. And isn't it strange that if you would just stop spending money, <laughs> you could actually reduce your Fiscal ro- your fiscal ro- woes. Their pension system is what has completely destroyed them. They went through a period of time there. Don't they have more people working in government than any, like they've any got, other state? It's a ridiculous amount of people. I can't remember what the number is, but they've got this this pension system that was in that was law for a little bit. And if you worked during that time, you're doing pretty you're doing pretty well because if you worked during that time, you get to take about seventy percent of your salary for the rest of your life. During the amount of time and that that benefits. was in that, yeah. And well, I don't know about the benefits for everyone, um, but I do know now a county commissioner salary, nothing, you know, you're not going to make a living off of it. But my dad was county commissioner for 12 years and still makes, I think, 70% of what his income was to, to this day. We had a friend that was a state's attorney, did, uh, got elected during that time. He gets 70% of his salary for the rest of his life. My uh, cousin is a judge. Regardless of how long you served? Yeah, my cousin is a judge. Uh, He, good salary for that. Going to be, well, I guess he's my my dad's cousin. Does that make him my cousin too? Yeah, I don't know how that works. Second cousin once removed or something like that. I don't know how that works. Um, So he's a judge. Going to make, going to be able to make 70% of his salary for the rest of his life. He's on the tree somewhere. (laughs) So he's on the family tree (laughs) for sure. All right, so this is why they're in such a terrible... You think he wants to invest in Good Morning Living? (laughs) He He listens to it. Nice. Yeah. After the 2017 income tax hike, Illinois total tax burden became at least the sixth highest in the nation. But despite regular tax increases and record revenues, the state has not balanced a budget in 20 years. Since old Edgar. Illinois has a spending problem, not a revenue problem. Most of the overspending, that's what I was saying, IllinoisTaxPolicy.org is a great website. If you're in Illinois, check it out. Most of the overspending is for pensions. Inflation-adjusted pension spending has increased more than 500% since 2000, causing spending on other core government services to fall by nearly one-third. So the pensions have gone up by 500%. The other core government services, they've had to decrease by a third because of the pensions. It's insane. Now they do all these projections is like, okay, we're going to collect this much uh, for you to put in your pension. And then we're going to put this in a fund and we're going to somehow magically guarantee a 10% return every single year. And so then we're going to be able to afford all this pension. And that's, that's not what happens by yeah. the way, because guess what? The market has downturns. 
Illinois will not be able to fix its pension crisis or achieve a truly balanced budget without a constitutional amendment that allows for pension reform. The fair tax amendment that would allow for even more tax hikes cannot fix the problem. Misleading claim number six, the progressive tax will reduce property taxes. Their property taxes are nuts. It's insane. Insane. My, uh, my mom and my, I'm, he's my stepdad now. They got married. That makes him my stepdad. Yeah. They're, they pay five times more a year in property taxes living in Heron, Illinois. And if you've ever been around the area, living in Heron, Illinois, than I do living 20 minutes away from Nashville, Tennessee. They pay five times more a year. And you're in Davidson County. And I'm in Davidson County. You're in Metro proper. Metro proper Nashville, Tennessee. And they pay five times more than I do. Wow. It's insane. Uh, let's see. Misleading claim that is a reduced property taxes. Reality, nothing in the progressive tax amendment provides property tax relief. There's nothing in the amendment about property tax relief. <laughs> but they're saying it's going to reduce because you know why? They're going to make so much money from the progressive tax. They'll be able to kindly lower yeah. the property taxes. That's why. Once they get that money. And Once they the, have the then money. The, then by the good gracious of the rulers yep. themselves. It, they will reduce your property taxes out of their goodness and gracious hearts. Wes, I need to hear that story. That's a very interesting. Uh, that sounds like I'm, I'm imagining things and that sounds very interesting. <laughs> While some unions have not because of the reason of imagination you're thinking, uh, but I'm imagining the business transaction uh, anyway, I want to hear that story sometime. While some unions have hinted the progressive tax amendment could help reduce property taxes, Illinois Federation of Teachers President Dave, Daniel Montgomery claimed in a recent IFT newsletter that the letter that the fair tax will reduce property taxes. Now, to be fair about this tax, there's three dots between the middle of that sentence, so I don't know what he said in the middle of that. That is what is in the article. So I'm going to tell you guys that. I hate it when they put the dots mm -hmm. in the middle of the sentence, and you can literally make a sentence, say whatever you want it to, when you put the freaking dots in the middle of it. Yeah. It's we should start doing that with people's quotes actually. Yeah. Just dots between every word. <laughs> and that, make us say whatever you want to say. Anything you want to say. Oh man, that's good. I'm gonna write that down. That's a good one. <laughs> okay, well, some unions uh, we talked about that, but there is nothing in the progressive tax amendment itself that makes the claim that reality. Despite rhetoric from the governor that a progressive income tax will provide property tax release, Pritzker has signed no legislation to make that relief possible. This is just on what um, if you like your tax plan? Can you keep your tax plan? <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you like a tax plan, you can keep, keep your, your tax, tax plan. plan. That's a great one. I'm sure he said that too. That, yeah. That way you don't have to be part of any of the There changes. you go. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. In, in addition to the 88-member Illinois Property Tax Relief Force, they have an 88-member Property Tax Relief tax force. force. Tax Relief Tax Force. Force. <laughs> wow. An 88 member. And they're all getting pensions. <laughs> they all get pensions. <laughs> trying to figure out how to relieve property taxes. There's 88 people trying to figure out how to make numbers lower than the previous number. <laughs> just, I just need one person. <laughs> one person. Yeah. Honestly, you could probably code that in just a minute. Send it to him. Fire those 88 people. Hit the backspace on the number. <laughs> okay. Uh, you Problem see, solved. Hey, find a number lower than four. Okay. You got zero, one, two, or three. Pick one. A special committee charged with finding property tax solutions by the end of 2019 failed to meet reporting deadlines, what? demonstrating the lack of serious intent. They didn't even do their jobs. 88 people. 88 people could figure out how to find all they have to do is lower tax. All they have to do is try to lower taxes. That's it. They couldn't do it. Oh. oh. 
that's that's good. I had that's not read that. Presentation. So good. That's ridiculous. They couldn't even they couldn't even build the PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> that literally had to be two sheets. I'm imagining like a four, and then the next one was a three, and everybody goes, ah. Oh. Are you imagining like like I'm imagining NASA right now, like all right. the people among all the all the stuff, like writing stuff down. Only it's people trying to figure out how to, to make a, a number lower than the previous number, and they're like, imagine Apollo 13 where they dump the stuff out of the box and say, we got to figure out how to make this fit in to the hole for this. And we got to put this together right here. Yeah. Only they're trying to make the number four less than that number. And What's that's that uh, Charlie from Only Sunny? When he's got <laughs> the stuff everywhere. <laughs> You're literally trying to lower a number. God, let me call that tax force. We're going to have to get Elon Musk involved in this, man. I know. See if you can help. We need, we need a model to predict. <laughs> we need a, the, one of the IHSA models. Um, need some researchers on this. What's more, the progressive tax proceed, proceeds the governor proceeds the governor proposes to dedicate to paying down pension debt uh, doesn't even cover the increase in annual pension payments. <laughs> Guys, listen, the number they're projecting they're going to get from the this tax increase, which is never the case, that they're going to use to pay down their pension doesn't even cover the projected increase in the pension. Just the projected increase. <laughs> Which you know is going to be higher. Right. That's, those are the only government projections that actually play yeah. out that way is when is spending. And They'll, I guarantee be higher. you they don't have, I guarantee you they don't have the amount of people that are going to flee the state if this gets passed. <laughs> I know. Because they're already leaving. It's going to be, a, they're going to be a lot more expats. <sighs> <laughs> they don't even cover the increase in annual pension payments, and the remaining amounts would not come close to covering all the spending politicians have promised. That money must come from somewhere, making it even less likely residents would see a property tax relief. And this mis- is my favorite one. Misleading claim number seven. Now, this has been a legit claim that this tax is going to help small businesses. Small businesses will thrive. Inside of this tax, taxes on small businesses go up, by the way. I was looking at it. Reality, the progressive tax amendment would mean tax hikes of up to 47% for more than 100,000 small businesses in Illinois. Now, that does not mean that the number goes from 1 to 48%. That means that the number could go from 1 to 1.47%. That's a 47% increase Mm -hmm. in the number. But that is still, if you're calculating, here's what I pay for this every single year. Well, that is a 47% increase. If your expenses on electricity went up 47% next year, your expenses for your mortgage went up 47% next year, that is is something that businesses have to account for. It's an expense. The progressive tax would hit the state's largest job creators, which are small businesses, the hardest. Taxes would go up by as much as 47% on more than 100,000 small businesses in the state. I'm surprised there's that many left. In fact, small businesses could face an income tax hike nearly five times larger than that for large businesses. Yet small businesses are responsible for nearly 60% of the net job creation in Illinois since the Great Recession and are the businesses most at risk from the economic fallout of COVID-19 because they actually had to shut down and the big businesses did not. Although the progressive tax is being sold by unions as a way to lower taxes on the middle class, increase funding for services, and shore up government finances, it will fail to fulfill that promise. those promises. It would simply be a blank check for lawmakers to cre- create rates to support the spending they want, which inevitably will mean higher taxes for 
Yes, even the middle class. Higher taxes for everyone. Everyone. And even if your tax rate doesn't go up, this is something people got to realize. Businesses don't pay taxes. They push those off onto their customers because taxes are an expense. Like if you're going to make a shirt and sell to someone, the material cost of the shirt is an expense. Taxes are just another expense. And the price that you pay for the shirt is going to be determined by what your expenses to create that work. And taxes are just another one of those inside of that category. Now, here's here's something important to put together, and they wrap it up nicely <clears throat> here at the end. Why, ask yourself, why do you think unions are pushing this progressive tax? Why? Just ask yourself why. Why would unions want this progressive tax? Could it be possibly that unions are the ones who have the most people who draw pensions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be something? They're also going to be the people who um, aren't small businesses, and this is going to hurt small businesses, which will in turn help businesses that have unions Yeah, at the same time. Right. And isn't it crazy how public unions can put money towards things like this? Yeah. It's just a, it's a wool over the wolf size, man. And that is the, like teachers, they're, they're in a union, a completely terrible piece of crap union that I have very hateful feelings for. And we'll tell personal stories about that sometime, but the teachers unions are terrible even for teachers and especially for students and families all alike. And they're unions for people who work for the government and they're able to take their money, which comes into them through tax money to pay to the teacher's salaries goes into the unions. And then they take the money and push for, for policies that help the government tax more money from you. It's pretty insane. Like you said, if you were going to talk about campaign finance reform, any kind of union that represents public employees paid by tax dollars, we could talk about barring them from putting money towards elections whatsoever. There's literally government money put towards uh, their specific government policies from money that just came from force. That's technically called propaganda it's it's propaganda it's it's all it's all kinds of dirty how words. about they take that million dollars and they reinvest that so they can maybe get their pensions up quit spending the money yeah and they're like well if we invest a million dollars into this then uh, you know maybe we can get a billion back yeah <laughs> through increased taxes and the, that and that's what they're doing and it's it's pretty gross the unions they know they know what they're doing they're they're we're talking about chicago here man these here's, unions, they here's they, a, they killed enough people to know, man. Yeah. They know what they're doing. This is a great experiment to run. Give the government a blank check and see what happens. What a great experiment. Yeah. Oh, those, I got to find those 88, though. <laughs> I wanna, how do you get that job? Yeah. You and think? I want to know if you can keep your tax plan, if you like it. <laughs> I, got, I got two questions. 88. We'll call it the 88. <laughs> what happened to the 88? And then also, um, if you like your tax plan, your current tax plan, can you keep it? Because you don't want it to change. Because you know change just means higher. Yeah. Change means more. I, I, I could agree more. You could. <laughs> Do it then. All right, guys. See how much you can agree. <laughs> that is the show. Tell your communist uncle living in Illinois or your uh, libertarian communist brother living in Illinois. We actually do have a lot of Illinois What's, listeners. So. We do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it helps. That's where we're both from. So when you start a podcast and you do something like this, well, you're naturally going to get a few people that are, you were friends with, you went to high school with, are going to be a little more interesting. We wrote a very a Illinois 
viral article about what happened to my mom about the school that she was going at and just uh, people were not happy about whatsoever. Yeah. Even people uh, in my family who taught at the school that she was at were not happy whatsoever because I trashed the school about 5% of what they deserved. And they should thank me for not talking about <laughs> what I should have actually talked about the whole time. Instead, we got this, we were given an email that was sent back and forth from the superintendent or the principal at the school talking about me and Charlie behind our backs because he was someone that uh, actually taught at the high school that we went to and he was now the principal of that. He probably yeah. doesn't know that we got insiders working at that school right yeah. now. We get we get those internal he's emails. He's way overpaid for a school that's doing terrible, and he's yeah. going to collect a pension for the rest of his life. And he's just making excuses and letting it go downhill even further and allowing parents uh, to threaten teachers that want people to turn in their homework. And, and you know what? Like I said, the school got about 5% of what they deserved when we put out that article, but that, that helped out a lot. That's being generous. That's being generous, yeah. for sure. That was like two years ago at that time we were still in the hundreds of plays a day and the day that article went out we got fifteen thousand plays that that one day because the episode was attached to it the one day just the one day right there one day yeah and so and that was a couple of years ago obviously we're multi-millions by now <laughs> you know i'm not even answering ben shapiro's emails <laughs> but if you send one uh well, you just don't answer because that's who you are. Yeah, that's what I do anyway. <laughs> yeah. I don't answer anyone's yeah. emails. If you so, want to get a hold, send me an email. <laughs> Since if you actually want to talk to someone from Good Morning Liberty, you've got to get in touch with Charlie. <laughs> you the, have to. It's the only way. Charlie at goodmorningliberty.us. Yeah. I'm the one that checks all of her messages on all the platforms. Yep. And sometimes I don't have time to respond to all of them. And I'm sorry. I used to be able to respond to all of them. Yeah. And it's gotten to the point where I'm I'm struggling with that. So the, if I have not replied to your DMs. I apologize. I will get to it relatively shortly. And you know, I had to realize this is really just some inside baseball talk for the people, you know, that follow the podcast closely. This podcast is growing very, very quickly. People are doing a great job sharing it. And, um, and I think it's, it's reaching, it's reaching a lot of people and we are hitting that point where, you know, not everyone responds to like every, there's a lot of people who run podcasts and, and different media outlets that are where if you emailed them or messaged them, you know that there is about a, a 0.01% chance that you're going to get a response from them. And that's because they got too many people messaging them and emailing them all the time. And there is a point where I, I, I we got to come up with a way to get to that level, but also still be able to respond to people because we're getting to the level where it's getting difficult to respond to every single thing that comes in, mm -hmm. but still trying to. And we're just going to have to hire someone to respond to stuff all the time. Or you so, can join the Patreon group and you uh, get your messages answered a little faster. A little bit faster. It's, <laughs> just, it is. It's slightly. like it's like using the the one-week shipping on UPS versus just normal Or, I mean, mail. during the show, you can ask a question <laughs> in the pre-show and you ask a question, you get an answer right away. That is live, the best time, yeah, actually. Live audio. Yeah. You ask a question. Maurice asked one earlier. Yeah. He was asking about VPN. We answered right away. There Look you go. That. So you can do that by going to patreon.com slash good morning liberty for just as little as five bucks a month. Not that we won't answer your questions for free because we will. If you send them <laughs> over, I'm not trying to be like, oh, we just want your money. But if you want to answer a little faster, I mean, this is the free market, folks. This yeah. is what we talk about. So you can, you know, join the Patreon and ask us questions when we go live. And more than likely, we're going to be able to answer them a lot faster, even on the show. You guys hear it all the time. We answer 
our group's questions on the show. So patreon.com slash Liberty. It's only five bucks. We'll get you in that group where you can ask those questions and be part of the live show, joke around with us. And it's a, it is such a fun time. I really couldn't imagine. In fact, I think we had to do one show recently without the live group. And that was just unfortunate. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, I, was, I feel like I don't even know if me and you I can was, hang out without the live group I was anymore. Lo- I was lost. Yeah. So we're going to have to, next time me and you go somewhere to hang out, we're going to have to go live on Facebook and talk to the just, group while we're hanging out. Cause I don't even know how it'll go. So they're here. Yeah. <laughs> so patreon.com slash good morning, Liberty, patreon.com slash good morning, Liberty Nate, Tell me about that stonk market, man. Well, the stonk market's been going pretty crazy. And what we do is we do day trading. So you can just be in for a few minutes, a few seconds at a time, because the overall market's been pretty shaky. It's going to continue to be shaky uh, up until and after the election. And we figure out who's actually going to be the president. Today, the market spiked down like crazy for a minute uh, because we heard that there was not going to be any relief uh, what stimulus talks and then we heard there were going to be stimulus talks and the market just goes crazy back and forth so um, we do the day trading on the low float stocks every single day we go live in the market talk about what is gapping up that's what stocks are popping like crazy yesterday there was one up 500 percent. i did not catch the move on that because i have uh, switched over to other things and given up on that stonk uh, but then i went back and it had been up 500 percent. just mm-hmm. i mean Probably five minutes after I got off of my computer. But anyway, there are stocks moving like that every single day. There's all kinds of opportunities. So if you hear about that opportunity, you're like, man, I missed out on Bitcoin. I'm never going to be able to do this. Screw Bitcoin, man. There's stuff going up 500% every single day in the market. So we're going to be pinpointing those stocks and figuring out how to make money on those. Even if you don't know a word yet, we'll start teaching you all the vocab, how to use your charts, how to use your broker, all that kind of stuff. So go to mastermystonks.com. If you want to get in that. Nate mentioned the the numbers keep pumping. You guys are pumping the numbers and we appreciate you guys sharing the show. So share it with a friend, share it with an enemy and that communist uncle of yours, maybe an aunt. I don't know. I mean, I think, I don't know if women are into uh, tyranny or not. I think probably some of them are. So share it with them. 30% of our listeners are are women. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So share it. Yeah. Share it with your sister or your your mother or your brother. We got to get this, those numbers up because from what I can tell, this is a pretty sexist podcast with those numbers. Yeah. The representation is not accurate. We need more, um, we need more diversity. Yeah, more diversity. Yeah. 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 How many uh, trans are listening to the show? Not nearly enough. Okay. Honestly, I'm going to try that. I'm going to have to start convincing some people in the Patreon to switch over just so we can get <laughs> some more. Tra- <laughs> so we can fill out the yeah. paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. But no, we really do appreciate you guys sharing the show. The numbers keep going up and we can't thank you enough for that. Leave us that rating and review on Apple podcast. If you get a chance, cause that algorithm does help or whatever podcast app will let you leave a review, leave that rating and review, maybe leave one on Facebook, whatever you want to do. And if you guys do all of that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. Liberty.